Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. Our goal is simple, to explore evolving ideas one conversation at a time. So stay with us as right now we present. I've got a great show for you today and a wonderful guest that uh, has been on the show before and we've talked to her a little bit and I just had to have her back because we didn't get everything done that we wanted to get done done. And so now we get to get more done, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, her name is uh, Sam Rafus, and she is a counselor. She is a podcaster. She's um, soon to be a budding author, and we can talk about that a little bit as well. Uh, the book that she has that she's going to be putting out. She's got a website that you can get, that uh, you can reference, and you can go to um, soberandserene.com, and you can find out all about her and the work that she's doing and what she's done, and. Uh, I wanted to start off today, if I could, uh, because you went through a period of time that, by the way, we all get to go do this, whether we want to or not, but your mom got sick and, um, and then she, she sadly passed away. But then you had what you describe as a spiritual awakening. Can you please kind of describe what that was and what it was like for you? Sure. And I think for me, it might even be better to say a spiritual reawakening. Ah. And the reason I say that is, is just the, the way that I was raised with my parents. And, and I always, I, I try to make it funny. And even though I'm, I'm not naturally funny, Kevin, but I, I was born in, I was born in a city in Saskatchewan. I was born in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan when I was, five years old, my parents, and then four older siblings, uh, four older sisters, two younger brothers, so six of us kids, my parents moved us to the farm. And I thought my parents had absolutely lost their mind. Because Kevin, are you in the era of Green Acres? Oh, yes. Okay. So those of you that are, you know, you'll get my reference to it. So here I am, this this young young girl that you know is in 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 the city life, and you know we had been going to um, gymnastics lessons and baton lessons and and to church each weekend, and and I grew up singing in church and all of these you know lay spiritual things and family things that you do as you're growing up, yet when we moved to the farm, it, it literally was looking like, you know, things were falling down and I couldn't, I couldn't, my five-year-old brain could not wrap my head around the fact that my parents would do this. So anyway, I digress. We, we, we grew up, we had the farm life. It was beautiful. When I look back on it, it was absolutely idyllic. Um, like I said, we went to, we went to church every weekend, uh, and I always felt like our family was very spiritual. So I was raised in a spiritual environment and take us, take us into, you know, as I'm growing up and, and going through, you know, different facets of my life. And when my mom got sick, it it wasn't that that was what made me take a pause. It was just, there was a lot of things going on in my life that, and you and I've talked about it too, that, you know, things kind of blow up. Yeah. So when I was spending time with my mom, I, I still think that spiritual awakening and why I can look back on it now and think of it that way was 
if my life didn't quote blow up, I wouldn't have got extra time spent with my mom because even though she was sick, it was nothing super serious. It was nothing that, that should have, you know, made her pass away or anything. And, and that's what happened. But the, the spiritual awakening reawakening came after that as I assessed my life, as I assessed and went, okay, wait a second. If all of those things that it, it happened in 2018 wouldn't have happened, which I thought were, you know, terrible. And you and I've talked about it, you know, the, the country song gone backwards, you know, your, your, your dog dies, you, you, yep. you, you know, you, you lose your job. And, and for me, it wasn't necessarily losing my job it, because I was working for myself. It was just a lot of things happened that year. And, you know, I, um, contracts didn't renew or so like any, anything that I was trying to make happen wasn't working. So I finally, you know, threw my hands up and said, okay, I guess I need to take a break, which made me spend some time at the farm where my mom was living with my older sister. So I've got this beautiful period of four months with my mom that I wouldn't have had if my life wouldn't have blown up. But that's part of the plan. Exactly. Somebody else's. And, and we, we, we laughed about it. I think last time that, you know, we make plans and God laughs. Yep. So I had plans for my life, but I mean, God knew deep down that I wanted to spend some extra time with my mom. It was always in my head and my heart, but I kept putting it off because she was five hours away from where I was. And so that's where I say the the spiritual part comes in is because deep down God knew that whatever was going to happen with my mom was going to happen. And this is the way I rationalize it for myself and make it make sense. So I got those four months with my mom to be with her every day, to play cards, to cook with her, to laugh with her, to, to eat with her, to get to know my sister and her husband and her daughter that all farm together. And, and I got extra time with them and I got to even go more quote within you know, really, you know, spent more time in prayer and more time in meditation and, and, and walking out in nature, doing all the things that I said I did. And I sort of did before that, but I was so focused on getting things done and making things happen that even my meditation times and, and some of the self-care practices I were doing was doing, I was shortchanging myself. Yeah. Well, you see, and that, that's why I wanted to bring that up because I believe honestly that in all of us reach a point in our life when we say you know basically is this all there is and why am i really here and it's important for us to when that comes because it comes for all of us some of us bury it and say nah i'm not gonna yep. change anything and i'm i can't i can't i i the job's too good i need the money the wife doesn't like it i i don't know you know we come up with a lot of excuses but we all come to a point when our inner self, our soul, if you will, says, this isn't what you were meant to do. This isn't why we came here. Why we came here was something totally different. And let us lead you into where that is so that you can lead the life that you were meant to lead and thus be happier with the life that you're now leading. So true. So true. And sometimes it sometimes it takes the... Um, the 
the and the problem isn't the right word. It it takes something to seemingly look like it's it, you know a uh, devastation or you know at the at the point that it's happening it looks like you know why is this happening to me i don't want this to happen to me it doesn't feel good it it hurts it it's not the way it's supposed to be yet it's still the easiest way or the the way that you've you've made it happen like i made it happen for myself by not listening to what i really wanted and trusting what i really wanted i kept ignoring it i kept ignoring uh the signs you know the, the you talk about you, you know you get that little tap on the shoulder you get the thought or whatever and then sometimes it takes it takes the two by four to really you know <laughs> hit you over the head and go like you're not listening it always takes at least for me <laughs> for me <laughs> and i can only speak for me but it always takes a two by four to get me to get my attention and and then to to move in in the direction that i have already chose for myself yeah. i just didn't know it and uh so they they give me a hint they say okay well here you go this is <laughs> this is how we are going to help you uh achieve the plan that you set out for yourself <laughs> you're right i i fully subscribe to that 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 thinking as well kevin well, and, or, and, or belief. That's my belief, too. Yeah. And it, for me, it's actually even annoying because it's like it always happens. It always, you know, things happen in, in our life. Well, as an example, uh, last year in, in July, my mother was 90 years old. And she had not had very many sick days in her whole life. And uh, she was fine. And she was 90 and she was, she played bridge on Wednesday. She went out to dinner on Thursday. She was going to a, a, um, a birthday party and a bridge party on Saturday. And she died Friday night. Totally unexpected. Um, and, and, but it was the way it was designed and meant to be for her, for her life to play out the way it did. And then also for how all that fell out to the family of how we were able to deal with that and had to deal with that. And it all played out the way it was supposed to play out. Um, and even though we didn't want it to play out that way, and I know that you didn't want your mom to pass away. And, and I, but now was it, I, she had been ill, but was it still a surprise that she passed away? Oh yeah. Because her, her illness was, it there, it, there was nothing life threatening. It was just, um, at she, my mom would get pneumonia and get better, um, because she had complete, um, com completely with it. Like she was 80, 81 at the time she passed away, but you know, she still moved well. She, she was well in all aspects, but she would get pneumonia. And because she had lost so much weight, her and I were typically about the same size, but the, the year that I was um, last with her, she was probably at least 20 pounds less than I was. And she, we, we would, again, we would joke around with her and I would say, mom, we got to get some meat on your bones and, and things like that. Um, so it was the last time when she did get pneumonia, it, her body, for whatever reason, she just couldn't fight it off. So there, it wasn't like she had any 
um, illness that she was expected to die from. So then it really was a blessing that your business was kind of stagnant and things weren't going that well. And so that you had the time to be able to go and spend four months with her, um, not knowing at the time that that was going to be the final four months of her life, but it was an important uh, part of your journey as you went through that those experiences. Would you agree with that? Kevin, I, because hindsight's twenty twenty, I I look back on that and I am just so grateful. I'm so grateful that I got that time with her because if that wouldn't have happened, if things were still going so well for me, I mean, in, in truth, I probably would have gone and visited for a long weekend, you know, taking my kids and we would, cause we would literally try to at least see my mom once a year. Um, but I look back on it and think, my goodness, like I am just so blessed that I've, I have, I'm, I'm full of so many memories and full of so much love and, and, um, gratitude for because i i think i left the farm would have been in april beginning of april of that year and came back to calgary and my mom had passed away um she passed away june 23rd of that year so it was completely unexpected we we did get to see her my daughters and i did get to edmonton where she was in the hospital and we did all of all of the siblings uh, made it like my siblings, all everyone made it that wanted to, I think, except for one brother that, you know, was driving and, and didn't didn't make it in time. But, um, yeah, it was it was definitely shocking for all of us. You know what what happened to you and with that that period of time, I call it the um, 50,000 foot effect. Um, and let me explain what that is for those of you who haven't heard it before. And that is that we don't get to have the 50,000 foot view. You know, if you get on an airplane and you can see, um, you know, uh, lots of lots of land and where you're going and 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 the, the hills and the mountains and all of that. And but when you're on the ground, you don't get the benefit of that. You get to see the what's one step ahead of you and one step behind you. And that's what. That's a metaphor that I use for our life because that's what we get. We get the ground level view. And so we have to trust and have faith that we're walking in the right direction and that those around us and that are around us in, in the spirit world will help us and guide us in the right direction. And if we go in the wrong direction, they gently, or in some cases, not so gently, push us into the right direction so that we're because they know where we want to go. We don't know how to get there, but they know where we want to go. And so they just guide us there. Um, and uh, at least that's, that's my, my frame of mind. That's my opinion. Is that a good metaphor? Yes. I love it. I, I'm, I'm going to use that Kevin. You may it's you please do because it's, it really is for me. It, it, it tells me everything that I'm, doing in life that i'm that i'm being led to do and i've got and we all do i know you've got stories in your life where it was paramount that you made a change made a switch we're going to talk about that in a second i uh, made a switch in your life and you recognize that it was time to do it uh even though it was difficult for you to do it at the time uh but you knew that that was your direction and that was being that was a gift that was given to you i i believe yeah 
And so, I think I think it did it did come from that whole time period because after after my mom passed away in 2019, and because my business had been you know on pause for a little bit as I I was you know either hanging out with my mom or dealing with the grief, and then during that time period because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I kept thinking, oh yeah, I can go back and do what I normally do. But my my heart wasn't in it. So I, I just had a part-time job. I had a part-time job that, you know, kept the kept some money rolling in and, and allowed me allowed me the time for that extra extra um, inner reflection. So for the, you know, the spiritual work that because you and I both know that the inner work, you have to do the inner work. Nobody, nothing comes from outside. Nothing fixes us from outside, no matter what we might look to, to solve a problem. But it still is all us, whatever is going on in the inside. And until you deal with that, it it's things are still going to keep happening. And it's important at one time in your life when it, it really asserts itself, that you follow your heart, follow what's inside of you, of what you really want to be able to do, go, go do. And that's that's really important. And then there are things in our lifestyle that we have that we recognize at one point or another that this may not be the best thing for you, for me, or for anybody to be doing. And you came to one of those places in your life, hence the name of your uh, website, which is SoberAndSerene.com. You can go there and find out all about Sam, about all of her work, about her services. She does a podcast, and uh, and uh, I really appreciate that you do that and stuff. But And you also are, and we'll talk about this too, you're calling for authors because you want people to collaborate with you on, on the first book that will be entitled Sober and Serene, right? That's right. <laughs> and I, I, I tell you, when you're a, a serial entrepreneur, I guess, is that what you could you could call me? I just once you hit the entrepreneurial bug and you, and you like creating and you like having control over your own life. And um, my my brand previous to this brand was Love Brand You. And, and you and I have talked about it on the the, la- the last episode. However, behind the scenes in from 2020 is when I had started to face, I guess, bringing it back to some of the spiritual awakening stuff. So as as I'm digging deep and I'm going within and I'm trying to figure out what I need to do next, the, the realization of my coping mechanism of, of drinking copious amounts of wine most days is when it really, really hit me that, you know what, I, I think I have a problem and maybe somebody else from the outside might, have might have looked at me and thought, you know, there is no, no problem, but I knew there was a problem and I was drinking a lot of wine. Yeah. Well, if, if you recall the last time we talked, you had friends when you said, I'm, I'm quitting drinking. I'm not going to drink any more wine. And you had people that would say to you, Oh, come on, Sam, you don't have a problem. I, you know, there's no reason for you to do that because that means we can't go out and drink wine anymore. (laughs) Yeah. They they wanted to suck you in. Well, and, and in defense to them, they, they saw the same thing as, as the, the public persona of me, because I, I like to say, you know, I still, 
I still didn't want to drink and drive. So even when I was out, I was, you know, well behaved for the most part and, and had it together where I, I always talk about, you know, I, I put up a, a door when I'm doing presentations, you know, I put that, the, the, the door on the house because it was behind closed doors where most of my drinking took place because I could drink safely at home and, and, and it creeps up on you. And so for me, I would go home and I'd have a glass or two of wine, but then it would be like, oh, well, might as well just finish the bottle. There's only a little bit left. So it became very habitual for me to just go home and drink a bottle. And then at the end, uh, I would say the last year or two of uh, my drinking, it would it was very easy for me to dip into the, that second bottle. And you always had that second bottle available to you. Of course. Oh, my goodness. Me, or there was no way I would ever not make sure I had way more than I was going to drink because just in case, or Kevin, I would fool myself to, oh, well, if somebody comes over, you know, I want to be able to offer them a glass of wine or I want to be hospitable, uh, that all of the tricks that that, uh, those of us that, that are addicted to to wine or any other substance, the the games that we play with ourselves, it can be pretty insidious, can't it? Yeah, yeah. Because you're continuing to tell yourself stories, you're creating stories and telling yourself stories. Oh, I'm just going to relax. You know, I had a story that I didn't wanted. I wanted to mention. I did mention it last time. I have a good friend. I've been married. They've been married for a long time, and uh, the husband figured out in his early 30s that he had a major drinking problem. And so he quit. And uh, then when my uh, wife and I were splitting up and I went over to visit them and his wife came home and he and I were sitting there talking and uh, um, she came home and she is also a wine drinker. And um, it, it, it amazed me because he was sitting there cold stone, cold stone sober and she came in and opened up a bottle of wine and came in and had a glass of wine. And then the, when she was almost done with that, her child, teenager at the time, brought the bottle over and filled her wine the glass up again. And it was like everybody was oblivious to what was happening. And I saw what was happening as she slowly, slowly uh, got drunker and drunker. And they didn't recognize it. It was, it was the weirdest thing. That because I would have thought that in his household, because he went through AA and the 12th step and he did all of those things, I would have thought that he would have recognized that and would have put a stop to it. But nope, it was it was weird. Have you, do you find that in people that you work with that that happens? Um, I, I don't know a whole lot yet, Kevin. And the reason the reason that I say that is because I'm just starting to work with individuals on the alcohol piece ah, because okay. I literally, I've, I've been doing health and wellness coaching and helping people with their diet and lifestyle for years. And it was only when I went through this myself and I've, I, well, today marks 855 days, two, <laughs> two years, four months, two days. And, and yes, Thank you. 
Congratulations. But, thank you. But I didn't bring it into my business or change my brand or anything until, oh, what was it? July of this year when I hit two years. And that was me purposely. It was purposely. I didn't want um, one. I wanted to make sure I was solid in my own recovery, that I was at a certain place. So it's only been in the last couple of months uh, since I started the podcast, actually, that I've said to people vocally, okay, now I feel, you know, I feel ready. I feel um, that I can help people. So I'm, I'm only starting to work with individuals on, on what, um, on their alcohol addiction. And so I can't really say what they're saying for their family members yet check back with me in six months or a year and and i'll probably have some more stories on that front well and i was just going to say that uh you don't want to you don't want to start a coaching program that you yourself are going to fail at one point so you want to make sure that you're well past it and are in a position to where it's not going to come back um, because that could you, could you imagine you have a bunch of clients that are all coming to you to help with their drinking problem and then you relapse and then you're drinking yes. behind, the, behind the scenes and yeah that I mean that that wouldn't work very well it would not be good and and I'm I'm pretty solid and and I recovery is a serious topic and it's you know I likely, the likelihood of me taking a drink, it, like, it, it just really doesn't even cross my mind right now. My life is so good, and I love my life that I can, and, and I have so many tools that I, I do. And, Kevin, I remember that last hangover. I don't want to go there again. So there is, there is a lot that I've got in my toolbox that would prevent me from relapsing, and... I feel confident enough that if somebody does want to work with me, I feel confident enough that I can, you know, help them on that journey. Um, but, you know, it all it would take, I think, I truly believe, is just one casual glass of wine thinking that I can, and, and we, we call it in, in our um in our recovery space, you know, we, we jokingly say, oh, I can moderate. Meaning we can be like the individuals that can have a glass or two of wine and not necessarily want to drink the whole bottle. I've been down that road a hundred times where I've tried to moderate. I just, I get back to the same behavior and I just really don't want to go there. Well, there comes a point in time when it, it is counterproductive. Yeah. It doesn't work for you anymore. And, and by the way, it's expensive as hell. Mm -hmm. And it's also not, it's not conducive to you leading your best life. It really isn't. Yeah. Um, but you've got to make that determination for yourself. And so there are people that are listening that was, somebody's asking you, all right, did you do a 12-step program? Did you go to 30 days of rehab? How did you stop? Um, well, it, it starts with a decision. It really does. There's And and I had many decisions. Hey, I'm going to stop. And and the, the, last, the last time for me was in uh, early 2020, um, my daughter, my daughter was having uh, my grandson. So I was staying with her. And this is when I was drinking a little bit more because I could, you know, it was like, we were just at home. And that's when the lockdowns were on and everything. You're an and, adult. You can do that. You, you yeah. know, it's legal. You can do anything yeah. you want. 
Yeah. And then I really, truly decided that I didn't want to be a drunk Nana. That was, I was like, wait a second, you know, now that I have this amazing, beautiful little grandson, you know, that was the decision that solidified it for me. However, I'd, I'd stop drinking for a week and then I'd drink for a week or I went, you know, I kept thinking, oh, I can moderate this because I couldn't wrap my head around that I needed to stop forever. So how did I do it? I literally went, okay, I am going to do 30 days. I could wrap myself around. I, I checked out um, AA. I checked out a couple different things. And I was like, no, I really, and because I was doing so much spiritual work and personal development work and everything, I really just thought I've got to figure this out. So I committed to myself that I would do 30 days. I didn't think past that. And I just did it day by day. I'm not going to drink today. And my number one strategy at the beginning, Kevin, it would, it was, I knew that if I knew that if I wasn't going to drink, that I just couldn't be in areas that I drank and I drank everywhere in the house. So <laughs> I drank in the kitchen. I drank in the living room. I drank in my room when I was staying with my daughter, because, you know, I, I want them to have their time alone with their, with their child. So I would disappear into my room, but I would, I would take the hugest glass of wine that I could. And, you know, try to read a book or something. So my my strategy at the beginning was, okay, you're you're going to have these cravings. So um, just go and walk because I like being outside. I, I like nice weather. They had a dog. So I'd grab the dog and I'd just go and walk. And it became kind of my joke that I traded wine for walking. So I made it walk o'clock. And yep. then I just kept repeating 30 days. I just kept saying, okay, another 30 days. Okay, you can do another 30 days. And then at about six months, I was feeling so good. I had never, in my adult life, I had never felt as clear. My head was clear. My, like, I, I just kept feeling better and better. So I just kept sticking to it. And then, you know, of course, doing meditation, do you know, making sure I was eating healthy. Like there was journaling uh reading uh great quit lit quit lit literature you know books and listening to podcasts and and doing a lot of self-reflecting and yeah like i i just but it that decision to the the final decision and you ask again and and we talk about it in our community and I talk about it with uh, the women and men that come on my show. We all get it when we say that there's something that clicks with that decision when you finally decide, because we've all had a thousand date ones. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Well, you know, <laughs> I can only imagine what it would have been like if you'd have gone to a 12-step program and your first AA meeting and you, they have you stand up and you say, hi, um, I'm Sam. I'm a health and wellness coach and I'm an alcoholic. That would have been a lot to do, a lot to digest all at the same time. For me, it was Kevin. That's I, I can, I can imagine because you were preaching health and wellness yeah. and eating right and doing all of that. And then, and then to say, I'm, I'm an alcoholic, but you see your, your version or what, and what do they call it now? They don't call it 
alcoholic. They call it. Uh, um, they they don't diagnose the person like that. They what they've really tried to do is is do away with the labels, which I agree with too. I I don't believe anyone is a label. People are people, um, but they talk um, about alcohol use disorder. Ah, that's what it is. So there's different levels of, you know, that's why some people, you know, didn't think that I had a problem. Well, I, according to the, the um, diagnostic manual, statistic manual of alcohol use disorder, absolutely, I, I was drinking way too much. Yeah, but it's not like you were, um, it wasn't obvious. I'll, I'll give an example. My brother had a problem with alcohol and he had a, uh, he did not have an off switch. So he could not stop. Uh, if he started drinking or when he started drinking, he would drink all day, every day, uh, because he would wake up hungover. And as he liked to say, I'll just crack a beer and that'll make me feel better. And so, but then that would start the roller coaster happening all over again. And one time I was, um, working in my, at a fine dining restaurant at South center. And, uh, he came up with his little ball cap and his little his uh, his uh, uh, clothes that were dirty and and messy and he was drunk as a skunk, and but he, he came all the way down to South Center to uh, because his girlfriend apparently had thrown him out and and he had nowhere else to go and and so uh, um, I, he waited for me. I, I still have the picture in my mind of this poor little little man. He he felt like he was like a million years old, uh, just swaying back and forth in the in the uh, chair that he was in uh, because he couldn't hold himself straight. You know, have you seen people yeah. like that? And um, and so we went out to find his car because we were he was going to follow us to my apartment where he was going to stay for a little while. We couldn't find his car. And, Thank goodness. Because uh, yeah. I would hope he wouldn't be driving. Well, what he did is he left the keys in it and somebody stole it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, and so he was like, I, I, I was here. I swear it was right here. And so he left the keys and then somebody stole it. We get a call two days later from Brant's Pass, Oregon, which is like 800 miles from where I live. Um, and that's where the car was. So then we had to go all the way down to Grants Pass. And he still was drinking. Uh, oh, my. And, and, and then pick up the car and come all the way back. And... Uh, um, and then we get to our house, and we had a uh, um, we had a uh, aquarium with fish yeah. in it. Well, he was cold because sometimes when you drink a lot, you get, you tend to get cold occasionally. So he was cold, so he turned the thermostat up to eighty. And we went then, and we drove you know seven hours down and seven hours back. By the time we came back, all the fish were dead. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> So and uh, so our that kind of damaged our relationship for a long period of time because he was and then he wanted then he wanted to go get a six pack of beer so it was like goodness gracious we you know I I don't know what to do with the so he was his problem was different than yours but yours was de debilitating from the fact that it kept you from what you wanted doing what you wanted to do when you wanted to do it yeah you. You could say that I, I was just a high-functioning person that, or a high-functioning wine addict is what, when I look back at it now, because I was, I would know enough 
to, you know, make sure that I didn't do anything. Um, you know, I would get my, I would get my work done. Or if I had to teach in, in, say in the morning, I would make sure that I would still go to bed at a decent time and, and, you know, not crack that, that second bottle of wine or, you know, I'd have all these, these uh, rationalizations for myself that, oh, okay, well, if you're not doing that, then okay, you can drink, but no, if you're doing that, then you better not. And like, it, it took a lot to organize it in your head because everything for me was my whole schedule was wrapped around the fact of could I drink or couldn't I drink? So I was always managing and I, because I wanted to get my work done and because I wanted to cook for my kids and be a good mom and, and, you know, still get yoga in and still, you know, Kevin, I, I was talking with one of my other guests on the podcast last week and we're both in the health and wellness field. And we, we would talk about how we'd go do a great workout and then we'd, we'd go out for drinks. And in our early years, you know, we'd still maybe have a cigarette too, because it was okay to have a drink and a cigarette. And it, this is the same behavior that I did even in the late year, not smoking. I gave that up quite a while ago and, and, and would, Oh, yuck. But, but the, the drinking is still so normal in today's day and age. So I, again, I, it was normal for me to, to want to drink. Well, and I will tell you this, that if you look at the statistics, there are very, there's a, a whole bunch of high, high, highly performing alcoholic people. And my father being one, he yeah. was, he was a six pack a day man. And uh, so he, but he worked, you know, 50, 60, sometimes yeah. 70 hours a week. And so he felt like he could, he come, would come home and that's how he would, would relax rather than doing, you know, something, some activity or whatever. And, but th there's tons and tons and tons of people that are exactly like that. Yeah. Well, and, and it, because it's so normalized. I, I defy anybody who's listening to us. Now, I'm a football fan. And if you are on a diet, if you want to eat well and, and, not, and not drink, you can't watch football anymore. Because all the commercials are either a fast food restaurant or something along those lines or a burger. And, and then, of course, there's whiskey and there's beer and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can't. Uh, uh, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. It's just everywhere. Yeah. So I'm I'm really I'm really glad to have met you. You you are doing uh, some really cool work, and and I implore everybody to go to our website, which again is soberandserene.com. Now I I want to tell you I want to ask you about your call for authors because there are people that may be listening that may have a story. What are you looking for to uh, build the first sober and serene book? Um, what, what I've done with my, uh, with my publisher friend, Keisha, uh, because I was talking with her and I said, you know, I want to, I want to tell the stories of, um, either my podcast guests that talk about their sober story. And sometimes people don't want to write their book, but they want to tell their story. So I decided, Hey, why not? Let's put together a sober and serene anthology and, if anybody follows me on Twitter or anybody knows me on Instagram, you know, I talk about numbers, how much I love numbers. So I love the number 22. 
So I just thought, okay, let's get 22 authors, including myself and Keisha. So 20 other people. Um, let's, let's each write a chapter for the book. So I encourage anyone, if you are a budding author or you have a uh, sober story to share, then reach out to me. The information is there. What we're doing right now, we, we thought we'd have a publication date in the spring. We'll see. Really what I'm doing is just get having conversations with people about the book and, and talking about it. And then if authors are interested, then right now we're just taking deposits for yes i want to be in the book because we want to get to a certain number of people then uh because we we have to know when we're going to put the timeline out so at first i was like oh we have to have it published by december then it was like oh no we have to publish it by april and really i don't have to publish it by any time right just we just need to know how many people are in it so the sooner that i know that say we've got 15 authors signed up and I'm talking to people right now that are signing up. As soon as I get to that 15 mark, then we'll put the, we'll, we'll be able to figure out the timeline. So it's a collaboration, collaboration book of sober stories. And you will find the right number of people at That's the right, right time will show up and they'll, it'll just be magical and they'll just show up. And there may be somebody, I, you know, I heard you on this podcast and I can't remember the podcast, but I, I remember I was sober and serene. So I looked you up and now I want to write a chapter in your book. That could happen. That's right. And it, I've, it actually happened with somebody that contacted me a few weeks ago. So I, I, I always say it all starts with a conversation. So I just, I love talking with people and seeing how we can best uh, work together in whatever way or fashion. Exactly. So if somebody wants to contact you, is the website the best way to do it? Yes. Yeah. Again, that's www.soberandserene.com. And it's, it's, it really is a well-done website. And you've got a, a huge store in it and stuff. And so that's, that's, that's really cool because you've been doing this. You've been doing this a while. Yes, <laughs> I have, Kevin, and I, I, I do love what I do. Well, you're going to have to come back, and we'll, I, I want to keep up with you as far as uh, the, the progress of the book and how you're doing and, and stuff like that. And uh, you, you, are, you are a fun person to have on the show, and I thank you for it. I always appreciate hanging out with you, Kevin. Thank you so much. Well, we try and make it as comfortable as we can and, and stuff, but uh, um, and I think we're doing okay. What do you think? You are fantastic, Kevin. I share your show with everyone that, that I can think of when I'm talking to people. Oh, you're very nice. Thank you very much. I appreciate yeah. that. And you can go to Sober and Serene, and her episode is right there, too. It is. It's under, I think I put it under media, my uh, yes. guest appearances, yeah. Yes, yeah. you did. So That's now, right. you know, and I've got to run, but tell me a little bit about the podcast. And are is it something that you are um, deeply ingrained in? Is it something that you want to continue for a long period of time? Oh, yeah. I've, I've started it on YouTube um, in July because I really... I, I wanted to do a, a video podcast. So it, it is a video podcast. So I typically... Um, I typically record one or two episodes a week 
I like to get them up there um, on Fridays is usually when, when I release them onto the channel. So uh, yeah, I, the information is there under podcast. I call it podcast because people are familiar with what a podcast is. And if you have a sober story that you want to share, I invite you to apply to be on the show and it just answers a few questions that, and I can get a hold of you. And I, I get a lot of people reaching out and just saying, hey, I heard that, you know, you, you do this or I'm in talking to people and they say, hey, I've been sober now 30 years. And I'm like, OK, well, let's get you on the show. Because I think the more that we can talk about it and normalize it, because most of the people that have been on my show are similar. Um, you know, a lot of people have said to them, too, they didn't know they had a problem. So I think it, it's alcohol and sobriety recovery is that that problem that people think they have that no one else has, but it's more prevalent than than ever and especially in in today's world and i'm just i love sharing uh the stories of other people so yes please reach out see then the reason people don't know it's more prevalent than than it is is because everybody hides in their room yeah. and i i've heard lots Behind of closed stories. doors kevin that yeah. that was me so that, that's why i'm on the other side now I was so quiet about it. I never wanted to talk about it. Now that I do talk about it, now I've, uh, as one of my sober friends says, recover out loud. And it takes a great deal of courage, a great deal of guts to be able to do that and to do it without um, a great deal of assistance. But you, I, I suspect, correct me if I'm wrong, but I suspect that you relied upon your spiritual nature and, um, and, the the folks on the other side that that your angels and whoever it is that were there to support you and i i suspect that you relied upon them a great deal oh for sure because i talk about my life is holistic body mind spirit so i i had the the exercise and eating pretty pretty good under control you know i i do eat fairly healthy so it 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 was somewhat easier but I didn't, I, I prayed a lot and meditated a lot and did everything I could to, especially at the beginning, because I, it is such a, it, it, it's a huge addiction. It is indeed. By the way, we've been talking with Sam and your last name again. I don't have it right in front of me. Ray Foss. Ray Foss and Sober and Serene. That's where you want to go. Now, before we go, I want to give you the opportunity, and I'm going to step aside and give you the opportunity to tell the folks that are listening now and those who will listen to this over the mists of time anything that you would like them to know. Um, I usually just say that whatever you're thinking about, like because we know it from within, and I've said, you know, people have said to me, do you think I have a drinking problem or I don't think I drink that much? What do you think? And I truly, you know, want to be the person that listens and, and can help anyone through through their recovery journey. However, it it is not for someone else to decide if you have a problem or not. It It's whatever your, your heart, your inner spirit, your inner God, whatever it is, you, we have the answers within us 
and Kevin, you and I've talked about it, that sometimes we just, we don't listen or we don't trust that inner knowing. So I just always encourage people to just really, you know, be silent for a while. Don't look to outer, uh, outer things or anything outside of you to solve any of what's going on for you. So yeah, if, if, if you're going within, as they say, and you're still needing or wanting someone to talk to, I've, I'm happy. I'm happy to be the listening ear for anyone that, that needs it. Go to soberandserene.com. It is a great website. You can find out all the stuff she does. You do quite a little bit, and, and you should uh, be very proud of yourself. I'm sure you're, and we didn't touch on this much, but I'm sure your kids are very proud of you now as well. <laughs> I, I think so. And and they do say that. My daughters are amazing. They're my why. Absolutely. My three daughters, my grandson are my why for everything I've ever done in my life. And yeah, we're pretty tight. We're pretty close. Um, I think more than anything, they, yeah, uh, let's just say they are proud of their mom, but they're, they're, they're my daughters and Kevin, you know how kids are. They're like, but okay, let, I'm going to give them props. They may laugh at me and they may roll their eyes at me as I'm trying to say, hey, girls, you know, um, whatever I'm trying to tell them. But I do get the odd message from each of them, you know, you know, hey, mom, I love you. I'm so proud of you or, you know, way to go or so. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, when you have a program like uh, that's called Positive Talk Radio, you can't be in a bad mood very often. And uh, you know, my 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 son who is, um, he's got a little bit of Eeyore in him. You know what Eeyore is? <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord, the yeah. world is coming to an end. Life is terrible. And, you know, and he has he's got a great life. His life has improved so much. So I keep telling him, you can do this. You can be happy. No, I can't, Dad. You're just stupid. So, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll accept, that. I'll, I'll accept oh. that. So, it's been a pleasure talking to you again, and we got to do this again. Can we do this again? Absolutely. Anytime, Kevin. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Soberandserene.com. That's where you go. And I want to thank you for being here. And, and it's, it's so much fun talking to you. Uh, we, oh, we've, had a, we, we've had a really good time. So, if you'll wait right there, I will be right back. Hey, thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end. Please give us a like and subscribe to this channel. This has been a production of PositiveTalkRadio.net. Please visit our website, oddly named PositiveTalkRadio.net, for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember... Be kind.